Welcome to Expositional Excerpts. I'm your host, Matthew Pilch. I pastor Grace Fellowship Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Let's dive into the Word. In today's episode, we will begin looking at Genesis chapter 23. It's a shorter chapter and it covers the topic of the death of Sarah, Abraham's wife. And that's it in a nutshell. It functions as one literary unit, so it can be treated as a whole, but it's, it's always good to dive deeply into these things. And of course, we have here really the matriarch, if you will, of the nation of Israel. Of course, Abraham is the patriarch, and, and then to refer to the patriarchs it would be to refer to the first three generations, which is where we get that formula, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that all makes sense, I think. And so, you know, this is, this is an important woman. This is a pivotal figure in the history of Israel. I think in today's episode, we're probably only going to uh, get through the first verse, and you'll see why here in a minute. Now, when I had gone through this a few years ago, I titled this uh, Going the Way of All the Earth. Now, that phrase comes uh, to us in the scripture in a couple different places. Joshua 23, 14, 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 2, they carry this phrase uh, to go the way of all the earth. Uh, Joshua says it, then David says it, I am about to go the way of all the earth. A sober reminder right here at the very beginning that we uh, live in this fallen world. And the fact that death is a part of life and that we have come to accept it really is indicative of the veracity, if you will, okay, uh, the truthfulness of Scripture. And uh, that should cause people to ponder. It should cause them to stop and wonder. Remember Ecclesiastes chapter 3, God has set eternity in the hearts of men. And it's something that we all take for granted because we see it all around us. Everybody dies. No one escapes that. And I think that because of that, we just naturally accept it. Well, it's unnatural. Uh, there's a reason that it, uh, there's so much grief and all of those things. That death is not a part of the original creation. And so that alone should cause us to ponder things. And when we have these broad sweeping statements that you see Joshua and David make that they're about to go the way of all the earth. And, and then we read in the book of Hebrews something similar. It's appointed unto man once to die. You know, that corresponds to this phrase to go the way of all the earth. Everybody else in earth has done that. It's appointed unto man once to die. So that's very noteworthy as well. So let's just read this first verse here, Genesis 23, verse 1. Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. All right. Uh, Like I said, we're just going to get into that first verse here in today's episode. She lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. You say, well, what can we get from from that simple, simple verse right there? Well, a couple different things. And uh, they're good things for us to ponder. Number one, uh, we're looking here in this verse at a portrait of a woman of faith, right? A portrait of a woman of faith. 
And so we have the summary uh, synopsis of her life. We have the totality of her life. She lived 127 years. Uh, and, and, and then it just restates that these were the years of her life, of the life of Sarah. So what, what do we know from this verse? Number one, uh, we are called to live by faith. And I'm deriving this not necessarily from what is explicitly said, although it points us to it. And let me explain, though we don't have anything in this verse that says she lived a life of faith. We go back to when we first met her and she is the wife of Abram, but we encounter her a lot from Genesis chapter 12, all the way through this point here. She is referenced through Genesis 25 and then not again until the end of the book. We don't find reference to her again until the book of Isaiah. And then after Isaiah, uh, not again until the New Testament. But now, this far removed from her day, even from the day of the kings of Israel, what is she remembered for? Uh, For what do we turn to in the New Testament? And the first thing that we see is that she is known for her faith. So we're looking at this woman, Sarah. We know who she is. We know that she is obviously related by marriage to Abraham. And we know that she has lived this life. How is she remembered in Scripture? Well, in Hebrews chapter 11, that great chapter that we call the Hall of Faith, she is listed there along with Abraham and others. And we read this in Hebrews 11, starting in verse 11. Now, I'm just going to read verse 11, but the section on Sarah goes from verse 11 to verse 16. But this is what Hebrews 11, 11 says, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. She's also referenced as the free woman in Galatians chapter 4, verses 22, 23, and 26, though never by her name, but we can make that connection, but by characteristic. So she was free, and she was free by faith. So you have the son of the free woman and the son of the bond woman, the free woman being Sarah and the bond woman being Hagar, her handmaiden. So we have that direct reference, though not by name in Galatians. So she is referenced in the Bible, but, but these references allude to her faith, and some of them are direct about it. So she has been called to live a life of faith. Now, I get it that the culture was different and, and honestly, it was the way that things should have been, right? So when her husband is being led out of the land where they had dwelled and sojourned for so long and God calls him out, you know, I, you could maybe say that she has a choice to make. Although, especially in that society, a woman's not going to do well on her own, nor should she need to. I, the, the whole point is, you know, marriage is highly venerated and it should function with a sense of togetherness as a couple. I don't want to digress too far off track and talk about the contemporary issues that we have with feminism today and what it's espousing and promoting. Uh, but let's just say it goes against the ideals uh, of of marriage and is trying to take the woman out of that or to put her, in, you know, in a different position. 
And so I guess what I'm trying to say is that on the one hand, some people are going to be tempted to read back into this with uh, through the lens of, of the modern feminist movement that's anti-God for the most part. Uh, and I guess I can't say 100%, but as, as a whole, the movement today is very anti-God. So there's that. And so as they look back and they're like, well, she didn't have to. She could have stayed. Well, I, I suppose she could have, but that society made it absolutely impossible. It would have been, it would have been awful. Uh, but she's not fighting him on that either. And so she is living by faith. She is going away, and there is an element where she has to express and exercise that faith as well. And the scripture commends her for that. That's not just conjecture. We just read that in Hebrews chapter 11, that that is exactly what she is known for. Not necessarily the leaving with Abram from Ur of the Chaldees, but the fact that she believed what God said to her regarding a child when she was well past childbearing years. She is a woman who lives by faith. By application, you and I clearly are called to live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We have verses like that. Uh, And so we understand that. Not only do we live by faith as Sarah did, but then secondly, we are called to submit by faith. So during these 127 years of her life where she ends up bearing a child, right? Remember, she conceives at 89 or somewhere around there. I guess it's possible that she could have conceived at the age of 90 and given birth in that same year. Uh, But somewhere right around there, conception takes place either right before 90 or somewhere right. But we know Isaac is born to her when she's 90 years old. So she's living by faith. Now, in these 90 years leading up to the birth of her son, she's also having to live by faith that entire time, 90 years, a lifetime. For some people, that is a full life. That's where some people don't even make it to 90. And, And so we have to recognize that. But she lived by faith all the way up to that point. And she lives by faith all the way past that point as well. It reminds me of the scripture that we don't just uh, walk by faith and not by sight, but as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, right? We, we receive him by faith and we continue to walk by faith. It's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing, uh, continual practice in our life. So we are called to live by faith, but secondly, we are called to submit by faith We saw previously that she's referenced in Galatians, though not by name, the free woman, but we know who that is. It's very explicit in in that text. Let the reader go back and understand. And then she's mentioned in Hebrews. Well, she's mentioned after Hebrews as well. And the next time we see Sarah in the New Testament beyond the book of Hebrews uh, will occur in Peter. Now, as we think about this, All the rest of Sarah's life, all the deception in Egypt and with Abimelech, was it not a reflection of her submission to God's revelation for their, for, you know, her life and their life together? The question we need to ask ourselves is who will give an account for the foolish deception of Pharaoh, Sarah or Abraham? Abraham will because she submitted to him in this, and in this, it was credited to her as faith. Same with Abimelech. So this is a very interesting discussion here, only from the standpoint that, you know, where it comes up in like moral dilemmas and ethical discussions, 
you know, she is being asked to partake in or comply with, uh, allow an inference without correcting, right? That's wrong. Uh, she, she is participating in that and being asked to participate in that. And therefore through her participation and her non-denial of it to affirm the untruth. And we can look back at that and say, is that act right? And, you know, was, was Abraham correct to do the things that he did with the king of Egypt or Abimelech? And I would argue, no, even as we worked through those passages in the, in the past, even though God was able to make a good thing come from it, especially with regard to Abraham, right? This reminds us of Romans chapter eight, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. That's not an all-time promise for all people on the earth. Uh, there are a whole bunch of people uh, for whom they're going to live the entirety of their lives and the summation, the culmination uh, of, of those things is not going to be good in their life. It's going to be eternal uh, torment, right? The, the, the sum of their life having died, rejecting Christ is going to be that they are cast into the lake of fire because their name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life. That's very important. So a lot of people misquote and misunderstand Romans 8.28. But for those who are called according to his purpose, and definitely Abraham falls into that category, God is able and does cause all things to work together for good. So in spite of Abraham's foolishness, in spite of the things that he did when he was down in Egypt and deceiving and going along with the deception with the king of of Egypt there with, with Pharaoh, and with Abimelech, those things I don't think he should have done. And God stopped sin from happening in one case and, you know, protected him in the other and all those things. But we saw the fallout from that. It's quite, quite likely, as we had discussed some time ago, that that Hagar is Sarah's handmaiden because of that incident in Egypt. It seems like all of that potentially could have been avoided had there been an actual pure walking by faith. Those are good thought exercises, and we don't know the definitive answer, but it's good for us to think about. And the clear lesson is we should, as we just referenced, walk by faith. Even in trying times like that, we should be able to go back and say, okay, I will, I will trust God through this, even though I don't see a way out immediately. That's okay. But where this discussion comes in is, how does Sarah fit into this? Because she's a player in all of those incidents. She is going along with that when, the, when Pharaoh takes her to be his own wife and doesn't get to do that successfully, uh, thank the Lord, and same with Abimelech, that she's complicit in that. Well, again, that is going to be something that Abraham is going to have to give an account for, but not Sarah. Why? Because Sarah is being submissive by faith. And... That's important. So I said again that she's referenced after the book of Hebrews by Peter. Peter references Sarah in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 4 to 6. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. Here it is, verse 6, 1 Peter chapter 3, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, 
calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So that just kind of buried away in there. And it says that Sarah is adorned uh, with a gentle, quiet spirit. This is how the women of God who hoped in God adorned themselves. And to display that true beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, the, the best way that she is able to do that is through her submission to her husband. Now, this is not a big lengthy discussion on that. Go back and find, I think we did an episode on that because we worked through the book of Ephesians. So go back to Ephesians chapter five and, and, and go and look at what that means. But the point is, is she's rewarded by her submission or according to her submission by faith. And that's also important because that is as much for us as it was for Sarah, right? Not only are we called to live by faith, but we're called to submit by faith. There are times in our lives where each of us, no matter what role we occupy, are going to have to submit uh, to certain things. We're going to have to submit to those in authority over us. We're going to have to submit to our elders. We're going to have to submit to, to certain things. And if they're not asking us to outright sin, as in deny the Lord Jesus Christ or commit a you know a felony or something like that, I mean you know, then there's going to have to be a time where sometimes we are called to submit and that will also be by faith. And we see that richly rewarded. So again, as we're looking at Sarah's life uh, being, you know, summarized here in this verse, these 127 years, we see a living by faith. We see submitting by faith and it's, it's quite fascinating. Now our number will be different. Here in verse one of chapter 23, it says that she lived to be 127 years. Uh, We're probably, if the Lord tarries, we're not going to, none of us listening to this podcast are, are going to live to be 127 years old. But here's the truth of it. Eventually her life came to an end. Your life, my life are also going to come to an end. And when our life ends, the number will be known and represented by a dash between two dates on a headstone. And we really need to stop and think about that. That's sobering. For what will people remember you? And about what will people remember you? So to all the ladies, I would say this, God has called you to live by faith. And while he has not made the specifically miraculous promise to you that he made to Sarah, He is the God of the able. He can do anything. The question for you is, are you still living by faith? Faith seems to be one of our biggest weaknesses. James tells us to ask of God, but to ask believing. Jesus said if we had the faith of a mustard seed, we could tell the mountain to move and it would. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Both men and women, we need to live by faith. We live by faith, not by sight. We referenced that earlier, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. And we are called to not only live by faith, but to submit by faith. Well, that was a brief walkthrough of Sarah's life and how she is remembered in Scripture, and I think it's very important for us. So when we come across this verse and we look at this this summary of her life, 127 years, we take this time and go back and look at what her life was. And I hope that you and I are working diligently to obey the commandments of Christ and to make sure that when people look back at the dash between the dates on our headstone that will inevitably come, that they can say there was a life that was lived by faith, 
let me tell you a couple stories. Well, we've got the stories for Sarah. Your stories are still being written by God's grace. You still have the air to breathe and God has given you a day of life. So let us live for the Lord. We'll stop it there. We'll pick it up in verse two in our next episode. This has been another podcast of expositional excerpts with Pastor Matthew Pilch. If you'd like more information, please visit our church website at gfbc.net.